Hey, Vegas Nation listeners, I want to take 30 seconds to introduce you to a new podcast from the Review Journal called Critical Condition Accounts from One October. It's a five-part series sharing the powerful stories of two Las Vegas officers who responded to the scene of the One October shooting on the Las Vegas Strip. You can find this wherever you are listening to the podcast right now. Just search Critical Condition Accounts from One October or visit ReviewJournal.com backslash podcast for more information. Now on to Vegas Nation. Vegas Nation, presented by ST. TN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. We're trying, like I said, to uh, bring the right kind of people in here, we think, that can build a championship football team. You guys are the most loyal fans in the world, and I know it hurts that we might not be the Oakland Raiders forever, but we are still Raider Nation. I think it's going to be a, uh, they'll get an army coming into uh, Las Vegas. everyone, it's time for another episode of the Vegas Nation podcast brought to you by STN Sports Mobile Station Casinos. Don't forget to check out VegasNation.com. Get the Vegas Nation app to follow the show and comment while you're there. We love hearing from you. In the house today, it's Adam Hill and Heidi Fang with Miles Simmons coming at us from Oakland. So we are going to get into all things Raiders here for you. We're going to get into that win and hear from Todd Dewey on the best bets of the week. But right now, the Raiders are on a bye. They stand at second in the AFC West, and I'd venture to say that they're doing much better than anybody anticipated. Miles, what went right for the Raiders against the Bears? Pretty much everything, Heidi. I mean, it was really interesting just to see how they were able to really get through, I think, a lot of adversity. I mean, think about it. You didn't have your starting middle linebacker, who I'm sure we'll talk about now, Vontez Perfect out really for the entire season. Um, you didn't have Tyrell Williams, who was not a playing to a foot with a foot injury. You didn't have J.J. Nelson, somebody who they really were relying on as a wide receiver, and they were still able to run the ball, be really effective in that area, and just go out there and win the ball game. So I think you know, you, you were able to play really, really well up front on the offensive line that worked well. Um, and basically everything just went right. And, you know, you didn't have anything happen with Khalil Mack that would have prevented them from getting a win. So, yeah, like you mentioned, Vontez perfect being out for the year, Adam, we heard last week that there was evidence of a second hit in the same game on Vontez perfect. And so when he had that whole appeal that happened last Tuesday, it didn't seem that it was was uh, going to work out for him, and it didn't. So no, now I, the Raiders have to go on without him. I thought that he was going to get the suspension reduced just based on what the history of the league is, that five games was the longest they'd ever gone, uh, and that was for the Albert Hainsworth situation of stomping on the opponent's face who didn't have a helmet on. I mean, much more egregious on-field act got five games. Now, obviously, the Vontez Perfect situation wasn't about that one hit or the two hits in the game. It was about his history and the fact that they continue to suspend him and fine him, and it doesn't seem to get through. So I know that they wanted to send a message, but I really thought cutting it in half, dropping it to six games was going to be the way they'd go. It'd still be the longest suspension for an on-field incident in NFL history, but um, they they decided to stick with the 12 games, which I, I was a bit surprised by because if you look back at the history of suspensions in the league, the vast majority of them have been reduced and especially multi-game suspensions uh almost all of them have been reduced at some point along the way so i was a bit surprised that they stuck with the 12 games but you know what you know why they did it it wasn't about that one hit it was about hey how many times do we have to you know suspend you or fine you or discipline you in some way to make you get the message fine we're just going to make you sit out the year maybe you'll get it this time and if if he doesn't 
then it's, it's going to get even worse progressively from here on out. So teams will have to make a decision in the future if you want to employ Vontez Perfect, knowing that the next hit could be his last one uh, for a long time in the league. I kind of feel like working with Paul Gunther again was like, the last opportunity for Vontez because it was somebody that he had already worked with in the past. So having that relationship in place kind of helped him, I think, to have a secure position with the Raiders on this roster. But now I don't think that there's another person that might take a chance on him that looks at his history in the past and his age even. I mean, you know. Ta- talent wins out. So, I, I <laughs> mean, listen, I, I think at some point somebody will. Uh, it might even be the Raiders, and and we don't, you know, we don't know uh, exactly the situation. They've gone to bat for him. They've defended him. Uh, we know that they, you know, they've liked having him around, and he's been, you know, he's a guy that was voted as captain and and just immediately coming under the team, and uh, so he's he's been there as a leader, and certainly his ability is there. And I don't think that they believe he should have been suspended for the year. So we'll we'll see what happens. I, I don't know, uh, Miles, what you think on it from uh, from your perspective of what happens with Vontez Perfect in the future. But usually, talent is something that wins out over everything. Uh, yeah, talent does usually win out over everything. But I think after you've been suspended for this long, it seems like guys and teams would probably not want to sign somebody who has this risk. I mean, he is going to be on the wrong side of 30 next year during the season, right? His birthday is on September 24th. Right now he's 29. But once you turn 30 and you're a linebacker, you start to get that wear and tear. And I really don't know if the risk is worth the reward of signing somebody who now has been suspended for 12 games. Plus, you know, hey, at this point, any postseason games, it actually is a possibility for the Raiders. And so when you think about that and combine it with the fact that yeah if he goes out there and he has one hit that is egregious it's going to be a longer suspension than a year I don't know how much people are really going to want to take a chance on this guy anymore I I think that you know it's funny when we were sitting here last week and we're talking about okay do we think Montez Burfecht will play again I think Adam both you and I expected that he would not just play this year but you know he would play for the Raiders and that he would be back sometime during the season and yeah like you I expected this suspension to get reduced significantly so the fact that it wasn't I think is the league sending a message and it's it's you know people who are supposed to be independent arbitrators Derek Brooks being um, the one who decided this they're saying that you are being too dangerous for this sport and like I said before it's an inherently dangerous sport and it is inherently violent but you can't do you cannot play the game the way that you've been playing it and it's a you problem and I think that you know singling him out and saying that it is a you problem is something that they just have felt like they had to do and so apparently it's a just suspension and the Raiders will have to go on and adjust. I think that the Raiders have done pretty well in light of missing some key players on their defense. We saw guys like Max Crosby step up last week. Mo Hurst was there, you know, putting the pound in on Chase Daniel. So when we talk about how the Raiders have been able to fill in, we saw, you know, Moreau, he he picked up, (coughs) excuse me, interception. Um, And Cleland Farrell's absence with the loss of Vontaze Burfitt, with the loss of Jonathan Abram earlier in the season. uh, This team has continued to find playmakers, people to step up so when you look at this team and the youth that's there do you feel like they're finally kind of starting to find their rhythm and to start clicking in light of all these people 
but have been hurt and are, are missing from this team on defense, Miles? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of teams, you try to use that first quarter to find your identity and what is this team going to look like for this season? And right now, I think we know what the Raiders' identity is. They're going to run the hell out of the football with uh, Josh Jacobs, and he has shown that he can do that, and he can do it very well. And it was funny talking to John Gruden at his press conference the other day, and he said that you can tell the offensive line likes blocking for Jacobs because anytime that he has the ball, the hard work up front is going to be rewarded. And so when that happens, you like run blocking because this guy's not going to go down just when the first guy hits him. He's going to lower his shoulder. He's going to keep his legs turning. He's going to keep them moving uh, so that he can get all those extra yards and he can pound his way into the end zone. So that's their identity on offense. They're going to be a ball control, you know, pound the ball, run the rock, kind of like like it's the mid to late nineties kind of team. And that's fine because it still works in the NFL. I mean, you look at the Patriots, that's how they got through the playoffs and won the Super Bowl last year. And I'm not trying to make that comparison. I'm just trying to say that these are the kinds of things that can still work in the NFL today. Now, defensively, I think they've still got some work to do in terms of finding their identity. But to this point, Um, you've been able to play decently good run defense. You've been able to be consistent um, in that you're actually getting to the passer pretty a lot better than you were last year. And yes, 13 sacks is terrible. So anything marginally improving, any marginal improvement over that is going to look a lot better than maybe it really is. But I, I think, Right now, if at three and two at the bye week, you're setting yourself up in really good position to go on a little run here because, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before. There was a real possibility that the Raiders could have been one and five, one and six, and they're certainly not that right now. So I think just the way that this team is working right now, it's doing pretty well. Yeah, I can't deny that I, what I have seen has really surprised me and that it's much better than what I expected. Although on the mailbag, the show I do with Ed Graney, I did think that the season would end up at eight and eight. But, uh, you know, as of right now, I didn't think that they were going to be on the plus side when you look at the record. Uh, as we go into Green Bay, although they have the bye this week, as they head into Green Bay, where do we anticipate to see some of these players coming back from like Tyrell Williams, Dwayne Harris, Gabe Jackson, Cleveland Farrell, Adam, um, they went after uh, Zay Jones. Is that kind of telling that maybe they're not expecting to get all their wide receivers back or that they're just trying to build the depth there? Well, I think there's, there's just, when you have cluster injuries in the NFL, I mean, that's all, that's always an issue and I think you're looking at the roster and saying okay there's a bye week some guys are going to start to get healed up but uh, how you know how many of these guys are going to be available plus I think that they just are looking for playmakers on the outside Uh, even if everybody is fully healthy they still need people to step up as that you know second and third receivers uh, you know Tyrell Williams being injured right now we'll see if that's a little if that stretches out a little bit longer but uh, even when he's there, you need to find somebody. They thought they had Trevor Davis, and then you know he made a couple of nice plays. He fumbles at the one yard line, uh, so you know it's, it's so much inconsistency there uh, at the wide receiver position. I think you're looking for talented players that are available. Zay Jones didn't cost him a whole lot, a fifth round pick. He's a guy uh, who's a higher round talent, uh, but has not just been consistent in Buffalo at all. Uh, he's made some you know some nice plays. He's had a lot of drops, a lot of times where he just 
kind of gets lost on the field a little bit. So uh, he's a guy that I think that they're taking a chance that change of scenery could help him kind of flourish into that uh, into that talent that people thought he had coming out of college. So we'll see what happens there. I know a lot of people were upset that it wasn't a higher profile name, a guy like Stephon Diggs who could have been available, but I don't think the Vikings are that interested in trading him. And if they are, it's going to be a much higher price. Uh, a guy like A.J. Green who – is, looks like he's available as well, but what is the cost for him going to be? And he's on the last year of a contract, and who knows what his future is with all the injuries that he's had. So uh, they go for the lower profile, uh, you know, kind of taking a chance on a guy like Zay Jones, and we'll see how he can develop. But I think it tells you that, yeah, the injuries are lingering, but at the same time, they're just trying to find somebody who can emerge on the outside. On that note, we'll go ahead, take a quick break. We're going to come back and hear from Todd Dewey on your week six NFL sports betting numbers and lines. And he's going to hope to give you some winners out there. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back on Vegas Nation. This episode of Vegas Nation will be right back. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. Welcome back to Vegas Nation. As promised earlier in the show, we have our sports betting columnist, Todd Dewey, here with us. He's going to break down all the action coming up here for week six. But first of all, Todd, I think the Raiders broke some sports books uh, hearts, you know, last week with the numbers. What, what do you have for us on what happened with the game in London against the Bears with the Raiders taking away the win? Yeah, the year before the moving to Vegas, they actually broke the hearts of betters because... No, the betters haven't bought in on the Raiders just yet here in Las Vegas. The sharp betters and the betting public was all over the Bears, over the Raiders, and drove that number up from the Bears of favored by five and a half, and then it went up to six and a half before kickoff. But Oakland torts that so-called sharp money in uh, Khalil Mack's supposed revenge game and gave the sports books here in Las Vegas a huge win in the morning games. And then they had another big win to cap off their day when the Colts knocked off the Chiefs as 10.5-point underdogs and put in the Raiders a game back in the AFC West heading into their bye week. And Raiders will play at Lambeau Field after their bye. They already have the look-ahead line out on that where the Raiders are 7 underdogs to the Packers on the look-ahead line. All right, well, let's talk about week six and what we're looking at here. What are some of the favorite games here to bet right now? Yeah, well, talking about the Chiefs, they opened as eight-and-a-half-point favorites over the Texans, but the sharp bettors took the Houston Texans getting five-and-a-half, getting five. That line has gone all the way down as low as four as all the sharp bettors are on the Houston Texans after they put up 53 points and the win over Atlanta and Kansas City, of course, coming off the loss to Indianapolis. And, and they're banged up with a lot of injuries. But the public's going to be all over the Chiefs thinking it's a must win after they lost. Several other games have had some notable line moves and sharp action. The Browns opened as two and a half point favorites over the Seattle Seahawks. Sharps took plus two and a half with the Seahawks. And now the Seahawks are one and a half point favorites. So that line swung four points, mostly based on how bad Cleveland looked in that Monday night loss to the Niners. And and the Browns, of course, have been without their starting two cornerbacks and their offense. Baker Mayfield's looked terrible. So sharp betters are on Seattle in that one. The Rams open as five point favorites over the 49ers. And that line is down to three sharps took plus four and plus three and a half on the Niners. It's an almost must win game for the Rams here. If they're going to contend for 
the NFC West title and it'll be a lot tougher to make the playoffs with the loss, but the public will be on four and San Francisco after their impressive win Monday night. The Cowboys open as nine point road favorites over the jets. Sharps took New York plus nine and plus eight. That line is down to seven with Sam Darnold back at quarterback for the jets. Uh, Sharp has expected jets to play a lot better on this one. And the Cowboys have come back down to earth after beating up on the giants skins and fins where people are ready to crown them super bowl champs but they lost to the packers at home last week and now the line's dropping down on the road against the jets and the, the sharps are also on the lions as underdogs to the green bay packers on monday night football packers open at six over the lions that one's down to four and a half sharps took detroit plus five and plus four and a half and then the other great game of the week, the Dolphins versus the Redskins, the must-lose game for both teams if they want to get the number one draft pick in the 2020 NFL draft in Las Vegas. Whoever wins that game likely will not get the number one pick. They'll lose the tiebreaker, too. And that that line is Washington open as six-point favorites, down to three-and-a-half-point favorites in Miami after firing Coach Jay Gruden. All right, Todd, thank you so much for all that. And we will look forward to the next segment when you come back for week seven, and we'll see uh, what happens there with the Raiders uh, and as they go back into Lambeau, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, thanks for having me, Heidi, and I hope everyone cashes some tickets this weekend. <laughs> Welcome back to the Vegas Nation podcast. Again, that was Todd Dewey. He'll be with us here every week, breaking down all the sports numbers for betting. Anytime you want to go out there and put some money down on a team, he's your guy. All his information can be found on the Vegas Nation app, vegasnation.com and reviewjournal.com as well. Check him out there for everything in print. All right. So we have the Raiders on this by this week. Much needed, I think, for all of these injuries, as we previously discussed, for this team to get healthy. Now they come back and, and face Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in Lambeau. Uh, Miles, why we still will do a full game preview in the coming week. I wanted to get just a quick take from you on how difficult it is to go into Lambeau to face the Packers and, and what you think, just as an early kind of look, what to anticipate with the Raiders taking yeah, on the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, it is definitely tough going up to Lambeau for, for any team. And honestly, I think Lambeau has one of the best game day experiences in the entire NFL. I mean, really, you look around the NFC North and you go to Minnesota and they've got the new stadium and uh, the skull chance and everything that happens there. That's fantastic. But then you go to Green Bay and you see they've got just this classic it, it it's unlike any other place really in the NFL and it's probably my favorite stadium uh, that I've ever been to in the NFL um, because it just everybody's standing basically it's a stadium full of bleacher seats and you've got some suites and you've got kind of this one tower on one side of it but it is just it's a very, very unique spot um, within the NFL. And that it makes it just it's tough to play there because the fans are so into every single snap. Um, and so that makes it a hostile environment. Plus, you're going up against the greatest quarterback of all time, not named Patrick Mahomes. So that really is something that it's kind of intimidating in some ways because you know that anytime he gets the ball, he can go down the field and score on you. And what they're doing right now with Matt LaFleur as uh, their new head coach, it's really impressive going into Dallas and defeating the Cowboys the way they did really dynamically. Um, that game was not really that close as, as the, even as close as the final score might've indicated. So I think 
right now with the way Green Bay is playing, it's good that you have a week off after London to get your body right, you know, get your mind right after that, because this is going to be a really tough challenge. And Matt LaFleur is doing like, a really good job as a first year coach It's not too often you see a first year coach come in and just keep the wins rolling. Adam, do you just kind of accredit that to his coaching mind and what he's been able to conjure up or just the fact that he came in with a team that was playoff ready and a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers who can handle things at the helm should any coaching decisions maybe not work out for him that Aaron Rodgers is able to audible make make things happen yeah I think Aaron Rodgers can help make any coach look good I don't think you know I'm not going to give uh, Matt LaFleur like all the credit in the world for what's going on with Green Bay right now and I also feel like you know you would have been an improvement over Mike McCarthy so I, I'm not ripping you as a coach I'm, I'm saying you just would have been better than him I think anybody would have looked better uh, than what's been going on the last couple of years there has been uh, a bit of a a chaos and disaster filled uh, tenure uh, for for McCarthy and kind of not living up to expectations. So, yeah, I think that they they've taken a big step forward. I think LaFleur is doing a good job. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, most first year coaches in the NFL don't have Aaron Rodgers to work with. I think that's the the bottom line of what's going on there. And they've done a really, really good job with the defense. Uh, they've they've started last week. We saw wow, you actually run the ball and establish Aaron Jones as a featured back and he can he can actually do really good things and help uh, control the game for you. That's amazing, amazing discovery there by that coaching staff. But hey, credit to them, they did it. And uh, I think that they've they've you know established an identity a little bit on offense. Uh, and then Aaron Rodgers can make plays when he has to. And the defense has been very, very good. That's just a really, really good football team over there. Miles, last week we saw that the Raiders pass rusher was able to get to Chase Daniel total four times. So against the Packers, do you anticipate that this pass rush can repeat that performance? I don't know if they'll be able to repeat it, but you certainly would like to see them try, right? I think the thing that is really interesting is how good Ben Samayola has been despite not playing that many snaps. And I think you, you know, Heidi, you touched on this earlier. Max Crosby has really been a gem um, of a find. And so, especially without somebody like Cleveland Furl, who is not necessarily known as the best pass rusher in the world, but when you have somebody like Max Crosby, who can make the plays that he's made, I think when you get to the quarterback and also being able to play in front, um, that kind of breeds more confidence. And so, hey, if the Raiders can get out ahead early again and prevent Aaron Rodgers from just, you know, stepping back and, you know, getting things going and teeing off on them, then they're going to have more opportunities to pass rush. Um, but also, I mean, Rodgers gets rid of the ball so quickly and he understands where pressure is going to come from. He's so smart. I mean, it's what makes him really the, just one of the best of all time. So it's going to be tough to really sack him like you were able to sack a backup quarterback and change. Daniel, but at the same time, hey, like I said, if they can go into Lambeau, score a couple of touchdowns early, that's going to increase the opportunities that you're going to be able to have in order to, to probably take him down. Okay, so right now, if you had to take a player, guys, Adam and Miles, that you would say has really stood out over these past five games that you expect to continue to kind of be this team's MVP, who would it be at this point? I mean, Miles, are we going to take – I mean, I would take Josh Jacobs, and I would assume you might too. Yeah, but I would too. I, I think – well, yeah, what Josh Jacobs has done has just been incredible. And 
like, yeah, a running back is usually a function of what the team is doing, what the, the schemes are, what the offensive line is able to do, uh, all of those things. But I think Josh Jacobs has, has taken that and just run with it. He's, he's gotten everything he can out of the holes that are there and more. Uh, he started to establish himself a little bit more in the passing game. He's got the tough yards uh, on you know third and fourth and short and uh, down at the goal line. He's doing everything you could possibly ask of a rookie running back. And I think that, that when you take a running back in the first round and you make that investment, you expect a a lot out of him, but he's delivered even more than that so far. So I think Josh Jacobs right now is the standout guy. I agree. And at this point, he's also surpassed Marcus Allen's team record for most rushing yards by a rookie through his first five games. I, I would agree. I think that Adam, what you said is exactly correct. When you take a running back in the first round, you expect a lot, but I think even with the expectations, Josh Jacobs has gone above that. And I don't think that they've really unlocked everything that we could possibly see Josh Jacobs do mainly because I don't think we've seen him in, as involved in the passing game as he potentially could be. I would like to see him split out wide on a couple of plays maybe and see what he can do maybe in the slot, you know, coming up and being a receiver i think he has those kinds of hands that you can see him do more things with the football so anytime you got a guy like that in space where he can be dynamic where he likes going into that contact it's fun to watch and so i think there's going to be even more for him over the rest of this season and he is definitely making a case for offensive rookie of the year All right, so we will come back and update you on all things Raiders as we head into the Green Bay game after this bye week. That'll be uh, coming up really soon here. So the Raiders, again, on a bye after this one, won't be back until November 3rd in Oakland when they face the Lions. And to catch all our game recaps, every preview, all the articles and everything during the season, go to VegasNation.com, get the Vegas Nation app, head to ReviewJournal.com backslash podcast or find us anywhere else you find your shows. Vegas Nation is brought to you by STN Sports Mobile by Station Casinos. And we'll be back again with another preview next week for that Green Bay game. Find us all on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons at Adam Hill LVRJ and I am at Heidi Fang for both Miles and Adam. Thank you so much for listening.